Hello, welcome to the Daily Disciples Podcast. My name is Bobby Brooks. And I'm Tony Lee Adamson. We are continuing our series in Women of the Bible. And today we are discussing a woman who you may not have ever heard of, but she is mentioned in several passages of Scripture in the Old Testament in relationship to King David. Her name is Michael, and her life is quite interesting from different perspectives, and we're going to share those perspectives with you, and hopefully it will be relatable to areas of your life. Michael is not spoken of often. However, she's mentioned many times in relationship to King David, and her choices that we know her for, like she did fall in love with David, but then she also rebuked David. And I just find, Bobby, that she's in a challenging position because her father was the first king of Israel and then her husband was the second. So let's summarize the beginning of where we get to meet Michael from the Old Testament. And there's a lot of different scriptures, but we're not going to read all the verses just so you can get a better grasp of the story. And the story begins with King Saul, who is in a battle with the Philistines. It's an intense battle that's been going on for years. And there is a a day where they present a giant whose name was Goliath. During this battle, David and his brothers had already been, David had already been anointed by Samuel, the prophet and and the judge of Israel at that time, to be the next king. There had been already this this kind of process in place. However, it was David's brothers who were old enough to go to battle. So David's father sends David, shepherd, to give food and check on his older brothers. And when he gets to the front lines of the battle, he hears about the king proclaiming an offer to anyone who will take on Goliath that he would give him in return oh, just a lot, a lot of gifts, a position, position of authority, and his daughter. It was his first daughter. Right. So David didn't really care about receiving anything from the king. He was incensed that this giant was cursing God, God, the armies of the living God, not the army of Israel, but the army of God, because Israel represents the living God. So he went right to the top. So that's, that's kind of how David becomes known as a warrior, because he takes a stone and his slingshot. And we know he's he takes on Goliath. After they try to put armor on him and it doesn't fit, he just goes and does what he's, he does with bears and lions that try to take the sheep. So he ends up killing Goliath, chopping off his head. After David kills Goliath, the people are in favor of David to such an extent that they would say, King Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. He becomes known as this mighty warrior because it was a big deal, obviously. And he was a mighty warrior, especially against the Philistines. 
And the Philistines, that nation, was the number one group against Saul. King Saul was angry with the Philistines. So King Saul literally said, how am I going to get David humbled? But David was already humble enough. He was saying, I am not worthy to be King Saul's son-in-law. I'm not going to do this. I don't have any money. I'm from a poor family. I'm not going to do this. So Saul finally heard that his daughter Michael was truly in love with David, like Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Well, Saul even asked him to come and play the the lyre, which is like a harp or a a stringed instrument to give him peace. But that was... That's just kind of, it's a very strange set of circumstances where Saul would be overcome by this, like a demonic type cloud. Jealousy, envy, bitterness. To the point that he wants David gone. Dead. Dead. Yeah. And he makes it well known. So he says, great, I will give him Michael for a hundred Philistine foreskin, which is... So funny. And David said, oh, I can do that. Now, Saul said this because he wanted the Philistines to kill David David. himself, themselves. But David, in response, brought or delivered 200 Philistine foreskins. It was with that that Saul realized, well, I'm not going to take this guy out. And now he not only is my son's best friend, but now he's my son-in-law. That's right. And David was very humble, and he ended up winning favor with the people. And when Saul decided to actually murder him in his bed, Michael warns David and tells David to flee and covers for him to to get away, and then actually says to her father, he threatened my life. You know, like she takes the side of her father because she could have been taken out. I mean, Saul was crazy and he was possessed with anger and bitterness to the point of of death. And Jonathan even found out that his father was trying to kill David. Mm -hmm. So Michael is left alone. David is on the run. He never comes back to Michael that we know of and Michael ends up as a woman who is married to David for a certain period of time while he's on the run she actually remarries yes King Saul gives Michael to another man so after nine years of being separated from David David then says through Abner, I want my wife that I paid for back. Well, David, when Saul dies, David is made king over Judah, but not over all of Israel. So Abner becomes the commander yeah, of the army. Right. So there is one of Saul's sons who takes the place of Saul, but only over Israel. So... David is is technically just king of Judah for seven and a half years. Mm -hmm. And Abner, the king, uh, the king, the army guy, Joab was David's 
commander, and Abner was Saul's family. It was King Saul, right. They end up, Abner ends up deciding this isn't right, that David is truly the anointed king over all of Israel, and goes to David to tell him that he's going to make it happen. He's going to bring all the other tribes together. They're all going to anoint David as king. It's been seven and a half years. He's just remained in Judah. And there's been battles between the house of David and the house of Saul. So Michael stayed with the house of Saul, is remarried. So whenever Abner offers David the full support to become king, David says, I want Michael back. And says, I bought her. I paid for I her. I paid for her. <laughs> Poor and, woman. And can you imagine when Abner goes and tells Michael and her husband this, her husband is crying after her. Like, it's it's got to be a, a, a very difficult moment in, Ab, in, uh, in Michael's life that Abner's done this and David's doing this, and they're really breaking up what... Technically, it sounds like a happy marriage, at least from the husband's husband's point of view. Well, if you think about it, it's because of her father that David runs out on her. And now it's because of her husband, David, that she's pulled away from another marriage. Like she's been torn from two marriages as a result of her father and her first husband. Right. The Bible doesn't tell us that she still loves David. She's probably bitter. Well, she lost her dad to war, and she lost her brother, Jonathan. She's completely displaced, right? She's taken out of what she knows to be home with her dad as king and her brother supposedly next in line to now go with David, who already has two wives. Right. That's right. Because we talked about Abigail and... She became the first wife, and now she's the third wife. Right. And she leaves her home... Her father, like, and her, she's in a tough situation. Her husband, who is crying, right, that that she's being pulled away. And David, I think, does this because he's. It's a sign to him that he really is being the king. The, I'm sure for seven and a half years, David was not the happiest, knowing that if God has anointed him to be king over all of Israel, these battles between the house of David versus the house of Saul had to be difficult for David to wait. So mm-hmm. he's going to take ownership back with his first wife, with Michael. It also shows the strength of David as he takes Saul's daughter again to be one of his wives. It establishes the entire kingdom for him. That There was something about marrying to actually show the strength of the king. That's exactly right. His position was one of power. Right. And it would have been weak of David to leave Michael with under Saul's house, mm-hmm. so to speak. What Michael is known for is really not good. And that's what we're talking about. Probably most of the discussion is surrounded about how she handles something David does. But we're giving you a background into Michael because we are women and we do understand how bitterness sets in. 
And we do understand that it's the choices that we make, not only against the people in our lives, but the choices that we make before God. We have to make sure that the things that we're saying to the people in our lives does not become disrespectful before the Lord. David is known as a man after God's own heart. So David was clearly not the type of king that Saul was, but he was anointed as king over Michael's brother, Jonathan. And Saul died, which was a prophecy that David had said, I'm not going to retaliate and take on Saul because God will take him out. Mm -hmm. But he's also God's anointed. So David had a holy fear in that if I treat Saul in a certain way, that's going to come back on me. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize that, that what goes around comes around and the choices that we make have consequences. There's different sacrifices and rewards to the decisions and the choices that we make. And in this case, Michael used her liberty a little bit too much because it wasn't only against her husband's position as king, but against the Lord and what God valued in David. So the verses are from 2 Samuel chapter 6. And the story sets up where David is now king over all the tribes. He's king over the whole kingdom of Israel. And he's set up in Jerusalem and Judah. He's been fighting the Philistines. God has given him victory in many of the battles. And he decides to go take back the Ark of the Covenant and bring it into the tabernacle. This is before the temple was built. So David attempts to bring the Ark of the Covenant back using men. And one of the men, actually, the, the, the cart drops and they touch the Ark and they're struck dead. And David is upset with the Lord, but the Lord was angry that David wasn't following the procedures of how to handle the, the Ark, Ark of the Covenant. Right. The, the very essence of God's spirit was the Ark of the Covenant. Months go by and it's at somebody's house and then David figures out, okay, I'm going to do this again. We're going to do it the right way. And as they go and get the Ark and they're entering into the city where David lives, where the tabernacle is, David takes off his outer garments and he only has on a linen Well, you said it was undergarment. a loin cloth. No, it's a linen it's a linen garment that the priest wore that's an under, it's like a, it's an undercloth. There's speculation as to whether or not you could see through it because he is dancing and he is praising the Lord. In verse 16 of chapter 6 in Second Samuel, it says, Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. He gave them food and, and raisins and, and cakes. Like There was like, um, he gave every family this special you know, meat and dessert to take home as a blessing. And in verse 20, then David returned to bless his household and Michael, 
the daughter of Saul. I think it's interesting that yeah. she's described as right. the daughter of Saul. Not his third wife, right. but his first wife, right. and then the third, yeah. Yeah, not his wife, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, Saul, came out to meet David and said, and I'm sure she said this very mockingly, sarcastically, how glorious was the king of Israel today? So she's acknowledging him as king, uncovering himself. That's why the garment was possibly very light and very, uh, you know, you could see through it possibly, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And she is, there's an exclamation point, so she is yelling at David. And criticizing him badly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord... In other words, I'm, I was doing this behavior before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of your father's house to appoint me ruler over the people of Israel. Uh, therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul had no children to the day of her death. To me, it says he was never close with her again. The scriptures are pointing that her heart was more like her father than like his, and her love for him changed. Might be from all the horrific circumstances she went through. David says, God chose me over your father and anyone in his household which included his best friend, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Like he, he made it known that there was a bad streak somehow, and now she represented it. He basically I mean, put just, her away. Just imagine she is in the, like the upper window or the ledge overlooking the, the road or the entrance into the city, and she's watching all of this. She's not engaged with the people. I'm sure the people are like clapping and, and, and yelling and everybody's excited. And so David, their king, is the Ark of the Covenant was such a revered article. I mean, it was the very essence of God's presence. The people had fought for it. They had lost it. There's a whole history with the Ark. And now David is... He tried to bring it in, and men died over it. Now it's the second time it's successful, and he is elated, and it's his act of worship that he's dancing and singing before the Lord, and she's watching him do this in front of young women, young girls, and she just is disgusted by it because her heart is not with David or with the Lord. Her heart is not with David or the Lord or with the people. She's not down there celebrating also. So he comes home finally ready and excited to bless his own family. He has just blessed every person in the nation of Israel because he is so pleased and excited, mm -hmm. overjoyed, that the presence of God has now come to Israel in the correct manner. And then you walk in the door, Bobby, and David just got slammed. You should be ashamed of yourself. 
we know how relationships go. We know how one thing can get into your heart. And, and she's, she has a lot of reasons to be angry, but this is something that she crossed a line badly. I think Michael is a woman we need to study because we all have the temptation to cross over to that place. Her story tells us that there is a way to honor the Lord and people who are attempting to serve the Lord and are pleased with their service. If we criticize that, there are consequences. I'm not one to say God goes around with a heavy hand punishing people. He doesn't. The Lord has set up the heavens and the earth. Creation declares. And creation is also a witness of what we do. I mean, Joshua said, if you don't follow the Lord your God, these rocks will testify against mm -hmm. you. When Cain killed Abel and God said to Cain, where is your brother? And Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, his blood that seeped into the ground told me. We have to realize that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And those witnesses happen to also be the heavens and the earth, you know, mm -hmm. in a tangible, literal sense. And so God doesn't have to be a micromanager because the way life is set up, we are held accountable. I mean, we're first spiritual beings and uh, the heavens and the earth was created by God, a spiritual being. So we have to understand that our actions, our words, our attitude have a level of accountability that we want to make sure that someday we hear, well done, good and faithful servant and not be a judge, the attorney, the policeman of but other people who are worshiping the Lord. One of the reasons I love studying the Old Testament is because they're stories and they're true stories. And they are applicable to our life today, even though they were written way, way long, long before Jesus even came. I mean, these stories, some of them go back, we know Genesis, there's the dates. A couple thousand years. Well, over like 5,000, 6,000 years. But then God's people, the generations that would come, Saul was the first king, and Samuel was the, the best judge, prophet, and priest that they had during that time. So there was a very important time in history. Michael starts out innocently just in love with David and is a pawn used by Saul. Saul, her father, uses Michael's love for David as a weapon almost emotionally to try to, the Bible says, to ensnare or to snare, to trap David because he wanted David killed by the Philistines. So he said, you know, go and get me a hundred foreskins. That means there's a hundred Philistines he's got to kill, strip down. Mm -hmm. And he ends up doing 200. It was a very interesting time in history because God had anointed, had chosen David through, the, through Samuel. Samuel had anointed David as a teenager, and yet it would be years before David would be the full king over God's people. So Michael has been through a lot of different issues. And I think as women, if we look back in our 
late teens, early 20s, and we fall in love with somebody, or we get married, and it doesn't work out, or if we had abusive fathers that we were afraid of, or we had circumstances that didn't work out the way we thought, then we can find ourselves in 20 years later, 10 years later, 30 years later, we can find ourselves bitter and have a different view of life. And so by the time David comes, becomes king, he takes her from her husband. And I'm sure that she wasn't the happiest of his wives finding out she's the third one. Like he's got other wives. He had concubines. He, he probably didn't show her much attention. And so she, I, I think we can relate to having that type of heart. She didn't realize who he was before the Lord. She didn't care who she he was. She didn't realize that his strength, which she admired so greatly, was based on his faith. We don't see her faith in any of these verses. We, I mean, we are feeling sorry for her as a woman who lives on the earth, right? Even though she was the king's daughter and then the... But we don't see her as a woman of faith. And David is displaying his faith, his joy in the Lord. I mean, think of all the Psalms that David wrote, right? Think of how much he cries out to God, how he knows that the reason why he's anointed is because of his love and passion for God. However, that somehow, she missed that somehow. And she didn't realize that when she was criticizing David, she was criticizing the very essence of what God loves about him too. Michael not only loves him, Jonathan not only treated him as his own soul, Saul saw something in him that he was threatened by, but God said, this is a man after my own heart. All the wars and battles that he fought, he did not express himself like he did bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. And he even says, the maidservants will respect me. That's right. And he didn't care that they were saying, David killed thousands upon thousands. He didn't care. He even said, who am I to be the king's son-in-law? I mean, he remained very humble. He knew that that warrior mentality was also a gift. But this expressed the joy of his heart. So how are we to know today when someone... And let's just say in church is worshiping in a way that for those who may be more conservative in their worship, more uh, raised in a different type of setting where it's more reverent, they, they think that worship should be reverent. And there's someone who could be in a position of authority. David was the king. So it could be a pastor, it could be an elder, it could be someone who is uh, respected in the church. They break out in their own personal style of worship. Well, how many even people would judge that. Even thinking of the different generations and how we've gone from hymns and then we went to contemporary. And there are some churches that for a long time didn't use microphones and how we judge different styles of worship because we're not comfortable with it. So we judge that. That's exactly what she's doing. She's judging and she's criticizing David's act of worship and calling it undignified. All of us at some point in time have probably thought that some other type of church or some other type of worship is undignified. If 
someone comes dancing down the aisle of a church and taking off their clothes as they do it, most of us would not consider that person to be in a place of intense worship of the Lord. Mm-hmm. There are cultural th- issues here. I mean, there was a different, this is a period of time in history where the people, David had favor with all the people. His, his behavior was not considered to be undignified by the people. There has to be the spirit that's leading a person. I mean, wouldn't you get excited if our president or a king was that excited about God? I mean, think about it. He was in torment when Uzzah reached out his hand to try to stabilize the Ark of the Covenant the first time. And now they are doing it appropriately to the point that David eventually sets up worship leaders in the temple. He has priests and prophets that that are more organized. I mean, David is the one who takes Moses's book of the law and book Creates of religious. Yeah. And mm-hmm. really like towards the end of his life, he's thinking God can't live in a box down there. We need to build a temple for him. A house. I mean, his mm-hmm. heart, he focuses on God in the middle of his days. Right. And so, and that didn't change as King to the point that Solomon was anointed And David did all the preparations for Mm -hmm. this ark then to go into, like you said, the house of God, the tabernacle. She just missed all this somehow. She saw him as a warrior. Michael saw David as a warrior. She saw him as, you know, a man of the people who could sway the people with such strength. But she didn't realize that the source of it was the anointing of the Lord. And she wasn't close to him, obviously. And we don't really know her position in his house, where she slept, what room she stayed in, whether or not they had dinner together. I mean, whether or not she got along with the other wives. We're not told any of the the story of her life and the surrounding of her life. Mm-hmm. But we just know that the Holy Spirit made sure the story gets in the Bible of what she said to mm-hmm. David and criticizing his act of worship was God's disapproval mm-hmm. of her. And that's what we have to realize is that even though we could make an argument that she, as an earthly being, you know, would be upset or would have an opinion about her husband dancing in the street with the linen cloth on, doesn't seem so far stretched. Mm-hmm. But... It's the Spirit of God that gives us this story in His Word that obviously lets us know this is important to the Lord, and He's on David's side. He calls David a man after his own heart, and Michael is barren for the rest of her life and probably put away, never to no be favored. No grandchild of Saul right, is uh, right. established. If you are interested in studying about Michael, you spell her name M-I-C-H-A-L. There is no E in Michael. An E-L is like Israel Mm -hmm. of God. And she doesn't have the E-L, which I think is very interesting. We'd love to have a conversation with you about this because we don't hear about her often. And even as we're going through the women of the Bible, some of the gals said, well, maybe we don't need to study Michael because it's such a bad representation. But I think we all have 
the uh, root of the flesh in us mm -hmm. that we have to learn from the positive and the negative things, the good and the evil that's represented clearly in the Bible. And if it makes it to the Bible, we know it's important to mm -hmm. the Lord. And we know that David was anointed to be king years before he ever is over the entire kingdom. And God blessed him in amazing ways. And as king, he wanted to bless the people. And he wanted to bless his own household. So we need to be careful sometimes whenever we jump to... I don't know, judgments or conclusions or decisions about someone else's behavior, even in our own families or our own circles of, of people. There are people who fall in love with Jesus and they go a little crazy. That's what people That's so say. so true. They yeah. go a little crazy mm -hmm. because it's like they're become undignified. <laughs> there's reckless abandonment. It's like there's just, they, they talk about Jesus all the time. They're just Jesus freaks. Well, that is what the Lord wants us all to be. Yes. Paul says, we are a fool for Christ. People of all types are watching us. And yet he prayed constantly to live above reproach because he knew that pleased the Lord. So it would be better to be a fool for Christ on this earth and to spend eternity with him than to act dignified and miss out on mm -hmm. salvation. So last, last episode, we talked about prayer with Hannah. And this episode, this podcast, we've talked about praise and worship. So they're very important how God gives us examples in the Bible of women who, one, had an amazing prayer. Hannah had Samuel, who is the prophet who anoints, and priest who anoints David. And then Michael, who criticizes David's worship. Mm -hmm. And so... Worship is very important to the Lord, and don't hold back. And especially whenever you sense the Spirit of the Lord on you and you fall in love, you can be a Jesus freak wherever you are. And as long as, you know, Paul would say in the New Testament that for women to remain in order, there was disorder with the churches mm -hmm. and the Gentiles. But today, there's opportunity for us to worship the Lord and God knows our hearts, and He knows what we're thinking and how we feel about Him, and He knows when we're judging others as well. The thing I personally like about church the most is corporate worship. I, I think it would just be an amazing thing to have been there when David was bringing the ark in, mm -hmm. that there would be such corporate worship, an attitude of worship and thanksgiving. Even now, it's like I love to get there early for worship, because mm -hmm. it's the worship that you get to express and reconnect to the Lord. It softens our heart for the rest of the week. It breaks down the barriers, the, the trials, the anger that you dealt with during the week, the frustration, to get refocused on what matters. And that is setting your heart on things above and mm -hmm. not on earthly things. I would not judge Michael for what she said. I think God and David has done a fine job of that. But I would say that I do pray that I can maintain a heart of worship because even if our words are disrespectful, if our hearts remain in line with the Lord, we can easily repent. We don't see her saying, I'm sorry. Like we don't see right. any of that because we do fall short like she does, did. 
but God is so quick to cover us in grace. God is so quick to give us mercy if we just apologize quickly and we don't want that root of bitterness to destroy that's right not only our walk with god but our walk with each other that's right yeah in christ so that's the story of michael and for references you can find her throughout first samuel and second samuel chapter 6 uh, verse 16 through 23 it's kind of the last we hear of her so she was important to be in the Bible, and we're going through women of the Bible in this series. And thanks for listening. This has been Daily Disciples Podcast. You can check us out every week. We'll be updating. Subscribe and get notified so that you can stay up with us as we do women of the Bible and other topics that are important to us as our, as our Christian walk is. Mm-hmm. So, so next week, we're going to be doing The Witch of Endor, which will be... Another very interesting topic, and one that is relevant to our day and age also. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook under Daily Disciples. Yeah, and just on this page, if you're listening here on Podbean, there are ways to comment and follow us to subscribe, and you'll get all the information about the ministry and how you can ask questions. We'll be glad to answer and comment about things here, right here at Day of Disciples. So, thanks for listening. I'm Bobby Brooks. I'm Tony Lee Adamson. And we will see you soon. soon.